everybody. My name's Kevin Bay. This is the That's All I Got podcast, which I think I'm going to change the name of this podcast to Spitting in the Wind or Spit into the Wind. One or the other. I, I saved a domain. I can't remember which one it is. Spitting into the Wind, Spit into the Wind. The reason being is that that's what it feels like I do all the time. On the blog or on this podcast, it's basically spitting in the wind because yammer on and it really has no effect on anything at all. Other than maybe maybe it help, maybe it's a nice outlet for me and my moods. Of which I'm in a poor mood today. Very poor mood. Now this, I'm not broadcasting this one live on YouTube and I'll probably just put like up a little promo video and put the actual full video just up on my website because I'm going to talk about COVID-19 I'm going to talk about ivermectin and last time I did that on YouTube they took me down so you know screw it um just this whole this whole thing has just gotten so ridiculous so um, what, what's today? Today's August 9th, 2021. I was supposed to record on Friday, and of course I didn't do it. Uh, what episode am I on on this podcast? I'm all over the road. My mood is so shitty. So, so shitty. Let me go to... Let me check out what episode I'm supposed to be on. 15. Episode 15. Ah, okay. So let's get this sucker in the can. Let's Tim Pool it. And let's see, let's get off my back end of my WordPress site. So it's like, it's, it's, it's all COVID all the time, every day, until we're all just beaten into submission with this shit. I was amused that in the UK... Um, children are using antigen tests, which is a rapid test, I guess, that they have at home. I don't know if you could even buy them here. But kids in the UK, they're getting out of school by faking positive COVID tests. And how are they doing it? They're doing it by uh, using little Coca-Cola and fruit juices from the BBC. Children are always going to find cunning ways to bunk off school. I guess that's what they call getting out of school in the UK. And the latest trick is to fake a positive COVID-19 lateral flow test using soft drinks. So how are fruit juices, cola, and devious kids fooling the tests? And is there a way to tell a fake positive result from a real one? Somebody tried to find out, uh, the reporter. First, I thought it best to check the claim. So I cracked open bottles of cola and orange juice, then deposited a few drops directly onto the lateral flow test strips. Sure enough, a few minutes later, two lines appeared on each test, supposedly indicating the presence of the virus that causes COVID-19. Brilliant. Nothing like a test that can prove positive with a little bit of Coca-Cola and fruit juice, and or fruit juice. So who's to say when you're going someplace and they want you to test positive that they're not just throwing some shit on, if you're taking one of these rapid tests, throwing some shit on it and saying, hey... You're now, you're now infected. You're a festering pool of COVID-19, of SARS-CoV-2. Ah, the state of Illinois and flat, flat, fat Blagojevich. I wish he was flat. 
Well, I don't live in Illinois anymore. I moved out because of guys like this fat motherfucker. This dumb fat fuck. Tribune asked the question, the Chicago Tribune that is, is it ethical to offer lottery entries in exchange for people to get vaccinated? To me, it's an obvious answer. No. Especially when the state of Illinois is drowning in hundreds of billions of dollars in pension debt. So fat ass Blagojevich, which is not really Rod Blagojevich, fat Blagojevich is J- Governor J.B. Pritzker. I call him Fat Blagojevich because to me, he looks a lot like Rod Blagojevich, just blown up to gargantuan proportions. And I know it's not popular to fat shame people these days, but I just dislike him on all kinds of levels. This is a man who lived in, it's, it's at the Gold Coast of Chicago, but, um, which is like, um, it's in the city just north of downtown, and it's where a lot of wealthy people have properties. He bought the property next door, removed all the toilets from the property in order to eliminate over $300,000 that he would have to pay in property taxes. He eventually repaid it once it was discovered. But um, the fact that he did it, uh, while your average person doesn't have these capabilities, and you know, while maybe it was technically legal, what he did, I mean, come on. He's a billionaire. He was getting rid of $300,000 in taxes, which is um, more property taxes than I would have paid uh, in my house over 30 years. $300,000. He's just a, in my opinion, he's just a giant asshole. Anyway, the Chicago Tribune reports, is it ethical to offer lottery entries in exchange for people to get vaccinated? What about prize money? How about taking things away if they don't, like your freedom, motherfuckers? Yes, I'm in a mood. Sorry. As the Delta variant complicates the recovery from the pandemic and health officials seek ways to convince people to get vaccinated, many incentives are emerging. In Illinois, the Department of Public Health has offered $7 million in cash prizes and $3 million in scholarships. In recent weeks, prizes went to residents in Chicago, Quincy, Springfield, Berwyn, and Joliet. Last week, the Chicago Health Department announced they will offer $25 Visa gift cards for those vaccinated at home. What a bunch of motherfucking assholes. You know, and it just makes you feel, if you're at all opposed to any of this stuff, regarding COVID-19 and and forced vaccinations. It it should be highly disgusting that they're running a lottery for this shit. The vaccine is so um, effective and so desirable, and COVID-19 is so dangerous that they need to run fucking lotteries where they will pay you to get this fucking thing. You know, what about what about all the businesses that they shut down? I think they could use the seven million dollars or the ten million. You got seven million in cash and three million in scholarships. You know, what if your restaurant went out of business because of these motherfuckers? And they're giving away seven million dollars of taxpayer dollars, whether they came from the feds or whether they came from the people of, of Illinois. They don't make any money on their own. They take it from you and then they spread it out. 
So, I mean, what if what if you had a little a little grocery store, a little corner store that they put out of business because of their fucking lockdowns and their goddamn mandates, and now they're giving away millions of dollars? I, it's just pissed me off. PCR tests changed the definition of infected. Um, there was a um, video on YouTube by Allison Morrow. She's a former journalist, and now she's like, oh, I guess she's not a former journalist. She's an independent journalist now. She used to be on TV, regular TV. And she interviewed somebody who has experience with the PCR tests and reports how the PCR tests are not real tests for the virus. They just basically tell you whether it's there or not. But it doesn't tell you whether or not you can get infected. Let me see if I can pull up the Julia relevant Bach, portion. I did not scare you away. You are back for your second go at... You remember maybe hearing that. Well, then they would take a sample and they would send it to a laboratory that would grow it in their lab for a few days and say, yep, this is definitely strep. Or, nope, this is definitely not strep. Your, your rapid test was wrong. So, really, there are like three things there that would need to happen before they would say, you have strep. The doctor would check your symptoms, he'd do a rapid test, and then he'd send a test out for culture. This is so sending a test out for culture COVID. confirms that not only is the microorganism present that causes that illness, but that it's actually active. It's growing. So a PCR test can tell you whether a virus is present or absent, because like I said, the gene I'm looking for is either present or it's absent. But it can't tell you what condition that particular gene or microorganism is in so you can have a, a bit of genomic material that's there and maybe it'll register in the pcr test but it's not actually replicating so we've even changed the definition of sick infected nice and i know the guy from the fda says this is the gold standard well the gold standard in terms of what it's the gold standard maybe in terms of, sure, it's a, it's a fancy test. It's a very accurate test in terms of, yes, the virus is present. No, it's not present. But it doesn't actually tell you whether the virus is actually active. So really a cell-based assay, in my opinion, would be the gold standard because then it tells you, yes, it's present and yes, it's active. So it tells you two things. It, PCR just tells you it's present or it's not present. And like I said, it, it can't tell the difference between different viruses, but can it tell me if it's alive or not? I know there's a comp, there's a discussion. This is more, more stuff that you have to go to places like YouTube for. You're not going to hear it on the morning news. It's not going to be on Good Morning America. It's not going to be on the NBC nightly news. It's not, it's not going to be anywhere. It's not going to be in the New York Times, the Washington Post. It probably won't even be in the Wall Street Journal, although they've been better. Why do we have to go... Why do we have to get this only from YouTube? And I'm surprised that the video is still up, to be honest, because it kind of downplays the PCR test and tells you know tells you exactly what it is, what it can do, and what it can't. You know, while that's the that's the test that's being used to to tell us whether or not we're all being killed by the delta, delta, delta plus, or now the lambda, which is coming down the pipe. 
And let's see, I had a post this week that said strapping folks vaccine mandate headed our way. And it's because the FDA, it's, you know, they were, they're floating the balloons now of the FDA giving full approval to the Pfizer vaccine, even though I think Moderna's application went in first. But um, you can be sure uh, since they're floating this and, you know, businesses have been mandating vaccinations for their employees, which I don't know why this hasn't been taken up in the courts for an experimental vaccine that is supposed to be voluntary, how a business can force an employee to get it. How is that business not liable if there's a severe adverse reaction and somebody dies? I, I don't understand it. But you can bet once the Pfizer or Moderna or the J&J, once any of those gets formal approval by the FDA, then you're going to start seeing governmental mandates to get yourself vaccinated with something that you don't want. What else did I put here? Oh, okay. I had a small... This is about uh, the future of podcasting, of which I'm nobody, obviously. And, of you know, to me, of media in general. You know, I'm fiddling around with podcasts just because I'm interested in the technology and not the old technology, but the new technology that's of extending RSS. The If you go to podcastindex.org and you go look at what they're doing, they are extending RSS. And RSS is the feed... You know, when you, when you go into a podcast app, regardless of it, other than Spotify, but if you're into, uh, if you're in Apple Podcasts or Google Google Podcasts or any of the more um, popular podcast apps that are independent, um, generally when you're pulling a podcast down to that app, it looks at what's called an RSS feed. And it stands for Real Simple Syndication. I know there's another definition out there, but I believe that's the most popular one, Real Simple Syndication. And it's really just a text file that contains information about the podcast and the episodes and allows you to download them to the app. And um, the group behind Podcasting 2.0, they're extending RSS to do more than just that. They've already extended it to where you can get... Uh, transcripts, live transcripts as you're listening to the podcast. And I do that with this podcast. You'll be able to uh, see those shortly after um, I post. There's also chapters. And chapters existed before, but they had to be embedded within the MP3 file. This one allows you, this is like chapters in the cloud. So this allows you to create your chapters after the fact, provide chapter images to go along with it, and provide links. So it you know it makes the podcast actually more interactive. So if I'm talking about a specific video or um, say a, say a product, say you you're even doing your own you know your own advertising, and you talk about a specific product, you can include an image of that product and maybe a link to where somebody can go to buy that product. They're also doing what's called value for value or streaming payments. You know, uh, uh, most, I would say most podcasters or most pod, uh, people in podcasting right now, they, they look for ads. You know, 
you know, other, other people that are hobbyists like myself who are just doing this because they feel like it, don't care if we get ads, uh, don't care about any of that stuff. But I'm experimenting with the value for value model where you're able to, if you're using a uh, one of the podcasting 2.0 apps that allow you to stream Bitcoin or fractions of Bitcoin called Satoshis to the podcaster um, while you're listening. So it's like a pay pay as you listen kind of technology. So they, they have something called the value block. And the podcaster... Um, I don't even know how to explain how to explain it properly, but we get a wallet. Um, mine is on the Lightning Network uh, on uh, LN Pay. LN Pay. So the letter L, the letter N, and then the word Pay. Um, and so when somebody streams, when somebody listens to this using a streaming payment app, you know, every minute. Or whatever certain number of satoshis are streamed directly to my wallet. There's nobody in between. There's no bank in between. Um, you know, there's no advertiser in between necessarily. So it's just a transaction between the listener and the podcaster. Now there's other little splits that happen in in the middle. You know, like uh, there might be a one percent split for the um, for Ellen Pay, which. I piggyback off of from my wallet. Otherwise, I'd have to have a full node, which I don't want to have to pay for, because I'm not I'm not really getting much anywhere. I did get uh, twenty five hundred sats a couple weeks ago, so looking forward to anybody else who wants to send money this way or satoshis this way. Uh, but also, there, you know, you can, you know, people do make direct payments to podcasts using things like Patreon or PayPal. Or you know other services where there's a definite percentage cut. Patreon takes a big cut, from what I understand. I've never used them. Uh, PayPal, you know, they take a small percentage cut for processing the payment, but that's part of the course, or par for the course for using any type of electronic payment, whether you're using a credit card, PayPal, whatever. So that you know, using Bitcoin and these uh, electronic wallets, it takes all the middleman out. So I can see that as the future of of paying for media. Pay as you go, pay as you listen, and you can do something what's called a boost, where you boost extra payments for something that you either found extra valuable or extra entertaining, or for whatever reason you feel like, hey, I like that, so you give what's called a boost, and you can set that boost to be whatever it is, 500 Satoshis, 1,000. Now when I say 500 or 1,000, we're, we're still not talking about real money. We're talking about fractions of a dollar, you know, I don't know, like one Satoshi is a fraction of a penny, and I think it's like uh, one billionth of a Bitcoin or something like that. I forgot what they said. So it's, it's not a lot of money we're talking about. Now, on a massive scale, it could be substantial money. You know, on a small scale, you know, it's not much of anything. So for the individual listener, you know, you might be streaming, I don't know, a couple of bucks, you know, maybe $10 at the most per episode that you're listening to, maybe five bucks, depending on how you have your settings. So anyway, this is a long, <laughs> long intro to the post that I made earlier in the week where I said I'd rather be lumped in with the crazies, freaks, nutcases, and crackpots than to live in a sanitized world. And the reason is I got into a back and forth with somebody who's prominent in podcasting, in the industry. And I'm, you know, me, I'm nobody. So 
you know, after a couple replies, you know, I decided, okay, I don't really need to have the last word, just let it sit there. Uh, but there's a certain segment of the existing podcasting industry and infrastructure that only sees podcasting as an ad- as a vehicle for advertising. And the way I see it, advertising poisons the well. Because if, if you, you know, say you run a tech podcast and you have a tech company like, you know, say Samsung or Apple or anybody, any big, it could even be a small tech uh, tech company that advertises on your show. You know, how how honest can you be about the technology you talk about if it has an effect on that company? You can't. You know, but how objective could you be if your money comes straight from the listener? Now, I understand as well that you're not going to get, you know, the big mega dollars like, you, like, like you're going to see with Joe Rogan or any of the other giant podcasts or like, let's say, podcasts that nobody really listens to, but they, they might say they do, like the Obama, uh, Michelle Obama podcast. You know, people are willing to pay big money for the names, like Meghan Markle or whatever the hell, the other royal prince guy who got kicked out of his own family because they felt that uh, the family was racist. That's how much I pay attention to the royal family. I forget who they are. So you have companies willing to pay these people big bucks because supposedly they're a draw. I don't know if they are or not, but I mean, you know, how worthless are those podcasts going to be? They can't truly be honest about anything that they talk about. It's really just a promotion for themselves or maybe the service that you're that you're listening on. You know, so so I said that the push should be for podcasting 2.0. It should be more pushed towards independence. You know, advertising is fine. It has its place. You know, I used to be in broadcasting for 20 plus years. Um, not on the on-air side, but on building TV and radio stations. You know, and and it's regular TV, regular radio. So they lived off of advertising, and advertising was not easy to get. But it has its place, especially for local radio, local TV. It's how local businesses are able to get um, their company seen. You know, how are you going to know there's a restaurant down the block if they don't advertise? You know, unless you drive past it. So adver- advertising has its place, but. What these guys are talking about is not that type of local advertising. They're talking about big corporate advertising. And these people that want to buy, you know, um, into podcasting. And I see it as an insidiousness, um, you know, just, it will water down, if... If podcasting 2.0, if that's the main focus of increasing advertising, podcasting will go down the way other media has gone down. You know, television, radio. I'm not talking about the independent TV and radio stations. They're still pretty much independent. You know, they're still beholden to advertisers. You're not going to be able to badmouth an advertiser. Or or badmouth, you know, a product 
that they put out or something, something, anything to do with that advertiser. You're really not going to be able to talk bad about it. But you look at how the media landscape has consolidated, how television stations are all owned by just a few giant companies across the country. Same thing with radio. You know, most of the radio you listen to, the reason radio has gotten so bad is because it's owned by, you know, largely by large corporations which kind of homogenize and sanitize the content. You know, when you hear a really good local radio station, which there aren't that many anymore, they cater to their, you know, the people that listen to them. They're not catering to the advertiser necessarily. They're catering to the audience, and the audience is what brings in the advertiser because the advertiser wants the people that listen. In large corporate broadcasting, it's the other way around. They want the big advertisers, and they don't really give a shit about who's watching or whether or not it's entertaining. They don't care. That's why television, you know, network television is awful. It's it's really not even watchable anymore. I don't know how anybody watches the news. The news is the, you know, it's not even news anymore. You know, especially when we're talking about things like COVID. They're not giving you news. They're giving you whatever the line is from the government. And they can't talk bad about pharmaceuticals because pharma- if you just watch the news, all the advertising is from pharmaceuticals. That's what I'm going to name this podcast, pharmaceuticals. But they, they, they can't badmouth them because those are the companies that advertise. You know, um, when you watch the news, that's it. They're, they're all pharma ads. So are you think you're really going to see some honesty surrounding the COVID vaccines or any other drug that they push? So, you know, a couple of shows that I listen to, the No Agenda Show and the Low Carb MD Podcast. These are both shows that are outside mainstream thought. So the, the person I had the back and forth with, they, they kept... Or, this person kept calling people that are outside the mainstream crazies, fringe, crackpot, you know, labeling these things because it's not advertiser friendly, you know, using words like nutcases, freaks even. And, you know, I was pretty offended by it. And the person I'm talking about, they know um, the Podfather. Uh, referred to as the Podfather Adam Curry, who is also uh, heading up podcastindex.org. And Adam Curry puts on the No No Agenda show with John C. Dvorak, a former tech writer for PC Magazine, among other magazines. And I've been reading John C. Dvorak since I was a teenager. And they cover topics um, in politics, government, media, and, you know, they've got the best, absolute best coverage of COVID, the vaccines, of any other media, including the local newspapers. And, you know, I read the Wall Street Journal, Chicago Tribune, and the Atlanta Journal. The No Agenda Show, the first hour, 
if you just listen to that first hour, you're going to get more news because they cover the world. And, and they, um, and it's not like they don't, you don't hear the network broadcast. They play back the network broadcast and they point out the inconsistencies. They kind of analyze the media and how the media is portraying what's going on. But it, it is honestly some of the best coverage you're going to see. And if you are pro-vaccine, pro-COVID, this, pro-lockdowns, pro-masking, you're going to listen to that first hour and you're going to think these people are crackpots. But what are they doing? They're giving their opinion uh, and playing back you some news. The actual news that everybody else in the world is watching. And they, they'll get stuff from all over the world. Germany, France, the UK, um, Australia, Africa, um, South America. They'll get news from everywhere. It's not like they're just covering one angle. And that's what makes it so valuable. But you can easily call them freaks, crazies, nutcases. Because they're not following along with the media push. The next one's Low Carb MD Podcast. Done by two doctors that advocate and um, for uh, basically low carb diets. Now, there you know these two doctors. They also they had regular practices, working in the hospital, working in their regular medical offices, and neither one of them liked the way things were going. So they changed their practice and they started their own metabolic health clinics. And the meta- metabolic health clinics are surrounded, um, most of their patients, I guess, are diabetics, type 2 diabetes, and obese patients. And so their goal is to help them become metabolically healthy to where they can get off of drugs, off of insulin, um, off of other pharmaceuticals, and live a healthy life, you know, lose weight and all that kind of stuff. But they can also be considered crackpots because the diet and um, the method that they use to help their patients is not following along the U.S. dietary guidelines. It's different. They're using their own clinical experience to help their patients feel better and get off of whatever drugs they're on. Their goal is to actually to stop having patients. But you can easily consider them crackpots. So when somebody who's prominent in podcasting is talking like that, calling people nutcases, and, and they always bring out guys like Alex Jones, what are you afraid of? If Alex Jones is such a nutcase, what are you afraid of? You know, I, when I, I've, I've never watched Alex Jones or listened to him. I've seen clips of him like everybody else, and it's not something I would ever listen to because he sounds like a nutbag. But so what? That doesn't mean you label him and you silence him, kick him off. It means if you don't like him, you don't listen to him. But guys like this, who are prominent in podcasting and, and trying to shape the direction of it, bother me when they, when they want to silence people that they deem are freaks. I don't like it, I don't like it. As my granddaughter would say. Uh, let's see. Okay, New York City. I'll skip him because I don't really give a shit about de Blasio. And, okay, 
here's where we get into ivermectin. Ivermectin is a drug that has been pushed off by the mainstream media. It's been demonized. There was an article in a publication called Mountain Home Magazine. And in, in this long article, they cover different people that have had to sue their hospitals in order to have the drug administered. There was an 80-year-old woman in upstate New York. She came down with COVID before Christmas last year. She was she had to be on a ventilator. She was in the ICU. She was doing poorly. Her family had to sue in order to get ivermectin administered. She was they, they were just waiting for her to die basically. She was able to get it and she started improving and she ended up going home. That mirrors almost exactly what happened to the woman in Illinois at Elmhurst Hospital where she also had to sue in order to have ivermectin administered. What the federal government, the NIH, the CDC, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, CBS, NBC, ABC, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Collins, which is his boss, Facebook, Google, Twitter, and any other entity, organization, or person that has actively sought to diminish the dissemination of information on the efficacy of ivermectin for the treatment of COVID-19, in my opinion, is now criminal. What is the reason for holding this information back? I mean, what, what are they trying to do here? What, you know, what are they afraid of from this cheap-ass drug that very prominent doctors, not somebody who you're, you know, this isn't like Joe Blow on the corner. If you go to flccc.net and you go look up the doctors that are involved in that organization, they are all very highly credentialed, um, you know, famous in the medical field for their accomplishments, and they talk about the effectiveness of this drug, ivermectin. They can't get on network news. They can't get on cable news. They're not covered by the major newspapers other than there was an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal not that long ago. What's the end game here? What is the purpose here when they may be, you know, the government and the media, to me, could be responsible for every person that dies that's not allowed to take this drug if they wanted to. Meanwhile, you're being forced, literally forced, to take a vaccination that, no matter what they say, it is experimental. The experiment is happening now on the population of the world. Where ivermectin is has been proven it's not it's not just a horse paste or something to get rid of worms like my dogs take ivermectin for a heartworm that's the, in their heartworm medication but people have been taking it humans have been taking it for other illnesses that this antiparasitic takes care of 
So it's a human drug. It's not an animal drug. Is it given to animals more often? Maybe. I don't know. But I know it's been given to people. And it is a people, a, a human drug. Where are the law firms that need to sue over this? Where are they? Why isn't anybody going after the government or the news organizations or the social media companies for the silencing of the uh, efficacy of this drug? I, I don't understand what's going on. And that gets me to my last post that I did today. Because I'm in a mood, and part of it is going out in the world and seeing people wearing their masks because, and they see, you know, it's like the classic thing that we're going through right now. They see me as the problem. I see them as the problem. We gave in so easily to all of this. We gave in so easily to being told to put a piece of cloth over your face. We gave in so easily and rushed into injecting ourselves with an experimental vaccine. And I guess everything that I've talked about during this entire podcast, now what, 30 minutes long, makes me sound like a batshit crazy conspiracy theory person. But what am I left to do here? It seems to me, you know, at the beginning I gave the government and the so-called experts the benefit of the doubt, thinking that they had genuinely had people's best interest at heart. Maybe going about things the wrong way, you know, doing things illogically like government usually does. But we're, we're kind of past that point now. We're past the point of just government bungling. This is purposeful, and it feels purposeful. They are actively demonizing and dehumanizing people who do not want to get vaccinated. Am I one of them? Yeah, I don't want to get vaccinated. I don't feel I need it. I'm in a low-risk group. You know, who knows if I've even had COVID or not. We don't know. But I'm in a low-risk group, so I don't, I don't get vaccinated for things that I'm not at risk of. But a vaccine is out there. And people who feel at risk, or maybe are at high risk, and we know from over a year and a half now of this virus, who's at high risk. And in general, it still is, and it hasn't changed much, it still is people over the age of 65, people who are obese, people who have type 2 diabetes, and people who are uh, have compromised immune systems. They're largely at risk. And we have a vaccine, supposedly, for these people. So there are choices everybody can make. You can make your own risk assessment and choose to get vaccinated. You could choose to not get vaccinated and maybe try to treat yourself. You know, maybe you will take ivermectin 
or you know use the ivermectin protocols that that were developed by the flccc.net but there are choices now so if you feel at risk you can protect yourself so what are you afraid of from people that don't want to get vaccinated if you're vaccinated you're not at risk anymore or you're at low risk what is it what what right do you have to force your protection on other people you know and and dehumanizing people because they don't want to want to get a vaccine they they don't believe they need calling them stupid ignorant super spreaders you know basically calling them killers you know And, you know, normal people, they've been frightened in the submission. You know, first they were scared, you know, pandemic, pandemic, all these people dying, hospitals overwhelmed, but they didn't bother looking at who was actually in the hospital and who needed to be protected. You know, the actual science around it was ignored in favor of the quote-unquote the science. And the science is political. It's not scientific. So they convince these people to put on a mask. They convince these people that, you, you know, if we just did that a couple of weeks, it'll slow the spread and we'll be fine. But it didn't work, you know. So people put on their mask. They thought, okay, things are going to go back to normal. And then what happened? Lockdowns. Mandatory lockdowns. You can't go in a store. You can't do this. You can't do that. People are ordering food out. So then people started to kind of relax. Okay, fine. You know, we'll just ride this out over the next month or so. Then comes the variants. Deadly, deadly variants. And so people rush out and get vaccinated. Will the vaccine protect us from the variants? Push, 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 push. And then they're told, well, not enough people are being vaccinated. The goal was 70% by July 4th. You know, I don't know what number they actually hit because the numbers kept changing. Even if I read the news today, they're going to say, 70% 70% are now vaccinated, at least with one jab, 50% fully vaccinated. I don't know. I don't know what the real number is. They keep giving They keep giving different numbers for different things. The same measurements are never used, so you don't know what numbers are real. So then they start turning the tables, saying, okay, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. What a lovely phrase. And that goal is insidious. That that phrase is insidious. It the goal of it is to pit neighbor against neighbor. Your unvaccinated neighbor is an evil fuck because he wants you to die. Even though you're vaccinated and supposedly protected. But he's a dumbass rube who doesn't understand science or I'm sorry, the science. People have been just whipped into this frenzy. You know, how how different is this 
from the rise of the Nazis, and I know everybody complains about comparing this to the Jews in World War II, but I think there's enough there now to say this is a, this, we're having a similar beginning, except this is not about religion or a specific race of people, which being Jewish is not a race, it's a religion. We're talking about demonizing the unvaccinated. It's still a group of people who don't believe that that's what they want. The unvaccinated are being called evil, stupid. They're being dehumanized and selfish. You don't want to protect others. You're not willing to protect others. You want people to die. You know, and and to me, what has happened is that governments of the world particularly the United Nations, the World Health Organization, and much of Europe. They're, they're all globalists. The, the United States historically has not been. We've been the ones pushing and controlling things from our end, maybe, maybe for our own uh, purposes. We've joined in all these organizations. But now we're fully on board. You know, climate change was the big push to subdue the population and get everybody going in a certain direction. To make you think that your modern lifestyle is evil and harming the planet. But it didn't work. You know... and there's enough books out there now. There's enough information out there now. If you're looking for it, if you're not going to find it on the news because they keep reporting everything is linked to climate change, make no mistake, that's where COVID's headed. It's headed towards climate change. All the policies are the same. Just one's COVID, one's climate change. There's enough information out there to know that we don't have more storms than before. We don't have more hurricanes before. We don't have more wildfires than before. We don't have more floods than before. None of those things are happening in greater number. The earth, on average, may be warmer than it was before. Personally, I don't know. I mean, I know they're taking satellite readings and stuff, but I'm still not, at least in my mind, I'm not confident that these things are totally accurate for the globe. But whatever. The globe is a, is a dynamic living system. Let's just take it to be true. Historically, over human history, warming has resulted in a benefit for human life. More humans have died during the ice ages than during any kind of warming period. Warming period has always been a, a, a period where humans have thrived. But let's throw all that aside because that's actual science. It's not the science. And the science is more interested in controlling your behavior. Get an electric car because it's going to save the planet. Even though... the in order to generate the electricity and to save the electricity could be more harmful than just keeping your 
internal combustion engine. Put up windmills and solar panels that are dependent on the wind and the sun that are not consistent. Forget about nuclear power. It's too consistent. Too consistent, too powerful, and provides too much power. We need to control the population. But I think people in general, other than the news, realized they're not in big danger from climate change. And I don't think the propaganda was working because human beings don't live more than 100 years. You know, on average, I think, what would it be, 70 to 80 years? Changes in the earth take thousands, if not tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of years. The earth is over 4 billion years old. The changes that take place over time are not something we can see as human beings. We haven't been here that long. But the need of some people to exhibit power over others has been here as long as we've been here. And that is what they're after. And it's, it's come to me now, I, I don't believe these people have anybody's best interest at heart. All they have is their power grab. And they view you and me and every other regular person as just a cog in the machine. You are here to serve them. You're here to provide the tax dollars. You're here to provide whatever human capital you are to further their grip on power. What else can it be? They're after the individualists. They're after people who think for themselves. That's why they're trying to demonize the unvaccinated. Also, with climate change, it's the same thing. The individualist sees right through this stuff. So what better way to demonize the individualist than to say that they want to kill your grandmother with a virus? They, are, you know, by forcing you... I mean, look at what's happened in the United States. The eviction moratoriums, the foreclosure moratoriums, that is a de facto nationalization of residential real estate in the United States. When your private property rights go... What, what do you have left? If you're not able to own yourself, if you're not able to own anything, what do you have? You know, do you own yourself if you're forced to get a vaccination? If you don't have a say on whether or not the, dr the government can pump you full of a drug, what do you have? You are powerless. You got nothing. They have you. They can do with you what they want. That's what's got me in such a bad mood today. I feel that we're at an inflection point, and it's going to be happening this fall and winter. And how the United States reacts to all of this, I think, is what's going to push the future. They've already instituted the passport sanitaire in France, even though people were marching in the streets. In Italy, they were burning vaccine cards, but they still passed their vaccine passport. Is it going to happen here? 
They're pushing for it. And when that FDA approval comes down for Pfizer, we'll see what happens. And I think that's I think that's the inflection point we're at now. Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully I see a better day in the coming weeks because this shit's got me pissed off. And that's that's also partly why I want to change my podcast name to Spitting in the Wind because this entire 50 minutes or so of my ranting is exactly that, just spitting in the wind. Just throwing shit out there, just coming right back into my face. Not going to change a goddamn thing. So that's the feel good for this week. Anyway, I'm going to end it here. Just to let you know, this is a podcast... Going into the push for podcasting 2.0. After all of that bullshit, uh, this is a podcasting 2.0 compatible podcast. So that means that if you're using uh, one of the new podcast apps at newpodcastapps.com, you can see the transcript and chapters, chapter images, chapter links if I have any. You can also stream Satoshis to this if you found it (laughs) uplifting and entertaining. Um, by using uh, one of the apps that are value-enabled and you feel like shoving a few Satoshis into your wallet. But that's it for this week. That's all I got. Spitting in the wind, whatever the fuck it is. Let's hope uh, next week I'm in a better mood. All right, everybody, have a good week. Talk to you later. I feel like doing this today, but I got through it. It's depressing, but I need to get it out sometimes. It's really spurned by people wearing masks all by themselves walking around. I, I just, I don't get it, I don't understand it. Alright, I'm really calling it an end. Have a good week. Bye-bye.